In this Sikha, the Rebbe is going to be discussing two major themes, one of them being the fact that in the Torah, just before Vayichi, there is no space between the end of the previous Parsha and Parsha's Vayichi. In Rashi's words, he refers to this as Stuma, that the Parsha is closed off. And the other thing that the Rebbe is going to be discussing is the idea of why the Parsha is actually referred to by the name of Vayichi when most of the Parsha is in connection with, par- with Yaakov's passing. So the Pasuk starts off, the Parsha starts off with Vayichi Yaakov Beretz Mitzrayim. Yaakov lives 17 years in the land of Mitzrayim and then goes on to say that altogether Yaakov lives 147 years. And the first thing that Rebbe asks is why does the Torah need to tell us that Yaakov is living 17 years in Mitzrayim if from the previous Parsha we know that Yaakov arrived to Mitzrayim at age 130. If the Torah tells us now that altogether he lives 147 years, we know that in Mitzrayim he was 17 years. On the other hand, if for some reason we do want to specifically mention the fact that he was 17 years in Mitzrayim, then there's no need to mention that altogether it's 147 years, because again, this would be self-understood. So there are Mepharshim that say that the Torah wants to specifically mention the 17 years of Mitzrayim to emphasize how these years were true life. Yaakov had very good years in comparison to the previous years that he had. And the Torah tells us also the total of 147 years to let us know that all these years are put together because the 17 years makes Yaakov forget about all the trouble that he had in the first 130 years. And that's why in some way they're all put together. They're all equal in their good. But the Rebbe says this seems to be difficult that even for Yaakov himself, these 17 years are making him forget the trouble of the first 130 years. It's difficult to say that Torah is putting the sachakal, the summary of all the years together to let us know that in fact they are all equal in their good if practically the first 130 years are so filled with trouble and the last 17 years are completely the opposite of that, years of such great good quality. In order to understand all of this, the Rebbe brings what the Medrash discusses, and Rashi also brings some of this, of why this parsha is a stuma, which again means that there is no space left between the end of Ayigash and the beginning of Ayichi in the Torah. And the Medrash gives as many as three reasons. The first reason is that once Yaakov passed away, so all the troubles started for the Eden, all of the enslavement. Another reason Yaakov wants to reveal the Kates, the end of Golos, the time of the end of Golos to his children, and the Kates is closed, is blocked, is hidden from him. And finally, a third reason that at this point in Yaakov's life, all of his sorrows had stopped, as said before, he now has 17 good years. And the Rebbe asks, seemingly the Medrash should have started off with the positive, with the good thing for Yaakov, that he no longer has trouble, especially that this would fit very much with the continuation of Parsha's Vayigash, and there's no no pause into Vayichi, the end of Vayigash is speaking of how the Yidin are living in the best of the land of Goshen and multiplying, there's no space leading straight into Vayichi. It makes sense to say that, that what is mainly being referenced over here is the idea that Yaakov has no trouble anymore. And yet the Medrash starts off with these other two seemingly more negative things that are not even directly connected right over here with things that are going to happen closer to Yaakov's passing or even after Yaakov's passing that the Tzoris are going to start and that he wanted to reveal the Kates. The question is even stronger according to Rashi. Rashi doesn't even bring this third point of Yaakov not having any Tzoris anymore. 
And seemingly, again, this would seem to be the first one Rashi should have started off with, because this would fit very, very much with the flow of the Psukim. And furthermore, in the two Pirushim that Rashi does bring, seemingly Rashi should have gone in the other order. First of all, Rashi should first be speaking about the fact that Yaakov wants to reveal the Kates, which happens even before Yaakov passes away, so it's still during the lifetime of Yaakov, and later to be discussing the things that are going to happen after Yaakov passes away, which is the enslavement and the troubles that they didn't have, and yet Rashi says it in the reverse order. In order to explain this, the Rebbe says, Mepharshim actually explain of something that we need to understand generally regarding these two Pirushim, Again, the enslavement that starts after Yaakov passes away and that Yaakov wants to reveal the Kates. And the Mepharshim asks, why is it that the Torah doesn't hint it somehow by closing off the Psukim, by making a stuma somewhere in those Psukim, which would be directly discussing Yaakov's conversation with his children, or Yaakov's passing, instead this stuma, this lack of a pause in the beginning of a Parsha, is happening all the way in the beginning of Vayechi. And what the Mepharshim explained is that if it would be in the middle of the Parsha, it wouldn't be as noticeable, as opposed to when it's in the beginning of a Sedra, where usually there would be a gap, there would be a break, and now there's no break, so it's more noticeable. And it obviously also makes sense to say that if the pause, or the lack of it, is at the very beginning of the Sedra, then it's not dealing with or hinting to something that's only in that Posuk, or those few Psukim, but something that's a major theme in the whole Parsha. And therefore it makes sense to say that the stuma is more related to the general idea of Vayichi, which is mainly about the passing of Yaakov, which most of the parsha is about. If that's the case, says the Rebbe, we'll understand regarding these questions that we had about Rashi. From, about Rashi. The reason why Rashi doesn't bring about the Tzorois that had stopped from Yaakov Avinu, this has nothing to do with the fact that Yaakov passes away. We just said that the stuma is going to be more to do with the fact that Yaakov passes away. Also, which order does Rashi bring it in? First of all, he brings the fact of the enslavement that, that happens directly as a result of Yaakov's passing. And then Rashi also brings the fact that Yaakov wanted to reveal the Kates, but that's more of a detail that Yaakov wanted to do before he passes away. And that's why this one is further from Shutash al-Mikra as opposed to the reason, which is directly because of Yaakov's passing, there's all the enslavement, and that's why Rashi brings that Pirish first. The Rebbe says, but we still need to understand, why does the Torah even start the Sedra with the words Vayechi Yaakov? If in fact the whole Parsha is speaking about his passing, especially to go ahead and call the whole Parsha by the words Vayechi. And the Rebbe explains that we know that true life is only something that's everlasting and eternal. And as we know, of course, that can only be said about Hashem. As the Pasuk says about Hashem, Hashem elikim emes, hu elikim chayim. Hashem, who is the living God, is the only one that has the absolute union of emes as well. Something truth is something everlasting. Of course, by nivroim, by creations, that's not possible unless we are connected to Hashem. And therefore, a yid, when he does Torah and mitzvahs, is also called alive. As the Pasuk says, We're connected to Hashem. We also have this eternal life. But in order that this eternity of a yid's life should be recognizable also in Olam Hazar, Olam Hazar naturally is blocking and concealing ungodliness, so where do we really see a yid's true life is when there are certain challenges and certain difficulties 
And yet we overcome these challenges. It says, Rebbe, now we can understand why the Pasha starts with Vayechi and is called by the name Vayechi because it's specifically when Yaakov is at the very, very end of his life and he's not an Eretz Yisroel. And even over here, not only is he completing all of his Torah and mitzvahs, but even all of his children, this reveals that all of his previous life as well, even the previous years, although yes, there were Tzorois, but in fact, they were true life, really connected to Hashem, and that's why we could say, as in the beginning of the Sikha, we mentioned that all the years are put together to indicate that Kulon Shavon Latoiv in the spiritual sense, they are all true quality life of connection to Hashem. Says the Rebbe, now we can understand even furthermore why we refer to it as Vayichi, the Pasha's Vayichi, because of course the Gemara tells that the Yaakov Avinu Loy Meis, Yaakov Avinu doesn't pass away, Mazari Bachayim, just like his children are alive, he is alive. That means that Yaakov's true life is noticeable even more so, specifically after he passes away, that in his children, when they too are acting and going in the life of Yaakov, in the true life of Yaakov, that means that Yaakov's own life was so eternal, powerful, and connected to Hashem. In other words, not only does Yaakov's life also continue after he passes away, but it's specifically after his passing that we truly see the eternity and absolute, real quality life of Yaakov Avinu. We also mentioned earlier that Rashi doesn't bring the idea that Yaakov Avinu's own troubles had stopped. He only speaks about the idea of the enslavement that started after Yaakov's passing. And the fact that he doesn't reveal the cates to his children. Says that this also fits with what we're discussing over here. That the true life of Yaakov is specifically when it continues through his children. That they are living in an open way. Connected to Hashem through Torah and Mitzvahs. And therefore when they are fulfilling Torah and Mitzvahs in a situation where there is no Tzorois which is the point that Rashi does not mention, that's not going to be such a great chidush. Which points does Rashi mention? The point that there is enslavement and, they, and that they don't find out the kates. That means when there is enslavement and they don't even see the end in sight, they can't feel the kates. And yet we continue believing that Mashiach is coming and we are awaiting Mashiach's coming every single day. And throughout all the challenges of Golos, we're fulfilling Torah and Mitzvahs. This reveals how the Torah and Mitzvahs are the true life of every single Yid. And in turn, this expresses the real life of Yaakov Avinu through Zari Bachayim. And this then reveals as well, it becomes revealed, how the whole point of the Golos was all about just bringing about the Giluim of the Gula. The Rebbe says this will also tell us the reason why the case was hidden from Yaakov. Because if we would know about the Kates, we would feel the Kates, and the Golos wouldn't have been felt as strongly. And therefore, again, we don't have the benefit of a Geula that comes after all of these challenges that we overcame in the time of Golos. Also, says the Rebbe, Yaakov Avinu wants to reveal the Kates to his children. Why does Rashi tell the ta- does that? Why does Rashi tell us this point? Why doesn't Rashi just say that it was hidden from him? Says the Rebbe, because Rashi is hinting over here that the actual fact that the that the, that the Kates is hidden, that's not an end in itself. The whole purpose is that eventually it should be revealed. So Yaakov Avinu wants to reveal it. And why is it hidden? It's only that our Avoidu will be in a much greater way, but ultimately that this will bring the greatest Gilui of the Geulah Hasidu immediately.